Let's listen to God's word now from Matthew 4, beginning at verse 23 uh, through verse 12. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem to, and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We're following up on our study this summer from Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary, all you who labor, and are just just undone by life. Jesus says he wants to come and give you rest, rest for your souls, by inviting you to take his yoke, and his yoke is his teaching, and walk with him and let him show you how to live the life that he has designed for you to live. He wants to invite you into his story uh, this morning, so the life that you have in front of you today and this week will become real because the truth that we'll talk about here will help you and encourage you and give you hope and confidence no matter what you're going through. So the idea is Jesus comes alongside of us and teaches us these things so that they really help us know how to live the life that he's given us. So let's pray and just ask the Father to be with us this morning. Uh, as we come to the word, I encourage you to take a moment. Um, and take a deep breath and just let yourself be still and know that your God is here to exalt himself in your story. Now take a moment and pray for those around you to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd this morning. Take a moment and pray for me that I can hear his voice as well as we go through this amazing verse on uh, mourning and comfort.
Jesus, thank you that you're a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a Prince of Peace, an eternal Father, that the government of our lives is on your shoulders, that you've invited all your people who call upon your name this morning to be refreshed and encouraged that you've gone before us, you come behind us, and you're here for us even now to make real to us the power of your comfort for us. So comfort, comfort, my people, says the Lord. Your warfare has ended, and now you can receive double, uh, three times, four times the comfort that you ever thought possible because of who I am for you, and I'm with you. Amen. Some of you know this poem. It's a good teaching uh, introduction to talk about blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, a poem by Robert Browning Hamilton. It goes like this, I walked a mile with pleasure, she chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. One of the ways to think about what it means when Jesus invites us to mourn so that we can know his comfort is, how do you do on that? How do you respond to sadness, loss, grief, uh, rejection, unrequited love? How do you respond to it? Um, if you don't respond to it the way God made you to respond to it, two things can happen. One, you can become very cynical and hard, or you can become very cold-hearted and just indifferent. Um, And so what we're talking about here is critical to each one of us in our journey today. Because Jesus died for our past, our present, and our future, so that this experience, this imitation, this promise of his comfort would change us radically on the inside. It would change us powerfully. Now, we talked last week when Jesus, now you can imagine... Jesus sits down to teach his disciples. Maybe all the crowds are there. We're not sure at this point, but he's teaching this stuff over and over. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophet Moses. He comes as someone greater than Moses, but he comes to give the new way of the kingdom, the new law of the kingdom. Now, uh, you know the Ten Commandments. Most of you do. Most of you remember, too. It comes in the context. God says, I delivered you out of Egypt. Now, here's the ten things. These are the ten words you need to know if you want to follow and live in the freedom that I've set you free to know. That's a great introduction. We need to hear the law of God. We need to be reminded of the law of God. But here comes Jesus now to build on that and expand it. And here's how he starts. You are so blessed. He invites us to real joy for real sinners like you and me. Real joy because uh, one of the commentators I love translates this verse, blessed are the brokenhearted. So when we think about mourning, we think about living with a broken heart, living with grief, living with sadness, living with loss. You are blessed if you are brokenhearted. And we kind of go, what in the world are we talking about here? That just sounds totally ludicrous, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it just strike your ears as strange as that you can be blessed if you allow yourself to grieve deeply, to mourn deeply so that comfort could come? I'm not sure I like that equation. 
I don't like the idea of you're inviting me to joy and then you're saying to get that joy, I have to go to the depths of what real sadness feels like. I feel like I have such a limited capacity for life itself, much less start feeling sadness, much less starting to mourn over who I am and what I've done or what's been done to me or both. It's like, I don't sure I can do that. And you're right, this is impossible. I remember when our son Luke, who's now gonna be 41 this year, hard to believe I have a 41 year old son. And uh, Luke was going through some hard times and he was probably, I don't know, 14, 15. And I thought I'd come into him and help him out. So I brought the scriptures in. And so I went in to read the scriptures to him and uh, we're okay. Sometimes it gets tripped there and just got untripped the little uh, signal. Um, but uh, I went in to read some scripture to him and here's the scripture I read to him. It was from Philippians 4 where it says, do not do anything with grumbling or complaining. And Luke was struggling with uh, one of his siblings who was making him irritated and unhappy. So he was grumbling and complaining. And I came in and said, Luke, here's some real encouragement. The Bible says, do not do anything with grumbling or complaining. And he looked up at me from bed and he said, Dad, that's impossible. <laughs> now, I thought, man, I'm, you're right, son. <laughs> you know, I needed that because what we're talking about here is impossible without Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, I'm getting ready to show you how to feel sadness on a deep, deep level. That rather than diminishing you and taking anything from you, it's going to actually grow you. Some of you have the gift of tears, and some of you know from Psalm 56, which is where Rowling gets it in uh, Harry Potter, um, that God says he takes your tears and he holds them in a bottle. You can look at Psalm 56. There's a woman in our story, Valerie, my story, who is just so beautiful in the way she's moved by big sadness, little sadness. She just tears up. And she's embarrassed initially, but I have to constantly remind her and say, you know, what you have, the gift you have of your tears helps me because so much of what's happened to me makes me ashamed, embarrassed, afraid to feel. But here's the truth. If you will learn what God wants to teach you here about mourning, it will increase your capacity. You will learn how to love in ways that you never thought possible because the Beatitudes are an invitation to love God with all that you have and to love people with all that you have. It's going to expand your heart. It's going to expand your story because your God's going to get a lot greater. And Jesus is going to be so much more sweet to you and real to you because you know that he will comfort you whether your sadness is small or big. But rather than being afraid of this is going to diminish me, it's going to keep me from my sitcom life where I want to live this story. And this is my default. I want to live in a sitcom where everybody loves Clyde. Um, we solve all our problems in 30 minutes or less with commercials and we just tell stories, we have fun, we pull pranks, which is life is good because I'm living this situation comedy where everybody loves me. <laughs> um, and that's what's sold to us over and over and over again in our culture. Blessed are the consumers of media. Blessed are the consumers of pleasure. Don't you love Browning's insight in this poem from a couple centuries ago? I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I mean, how's it working for you to just escape and just 
you know, be on your phone, be on Facebook, Instagram, you're, you're a choice, and you're constantly chasing pleasure. You're constantly chasing. But listen to his wisdom when he said, I walked a mile with sorrow, and there a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I love that hymn we sang, man of sorrows, what a name. And then notice the word that fits right here, because some of you know, that's me. And it says, man of sorrow, what a name, ruined sinners to reclaim. Oh, friends, without Christ, I am ruined. And even with Christ, so often I've made decisions and done things that have harmed my wife, my children, my churches where I've served. But Jesus is such a great Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Ruins sinners to reclaim. This is about your reclamation. This is about God building into your story the beauty of what he has. And so he wants to come for us to come and learn, which we've been talking about. But here's what he wants us to see. What are we, where do we start with mourning and where do we end? So let me read to you from Zechariah 12, 10 through 13, 1. Uh, you can write it down, look at it later. Uh, but uh, let me read to you from the prophet Zechariah. It's the last book before Malachi, if you want to look it up. But uh, when uh, my mentor and uh, a man who loved Jesus and wanted to see his church reformed, revived, he loved to teach from this passage about what does renewal, reformation, revival look like. Now, I want you to listen, you know, I want you to listen to God's word here and see how Jesus might speak to you in his invitation to say, you can have joy if you see this. So listen. And I will pour out on the house of David, your house, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, of Cambridge, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. So when they look on me, as on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day, the morning in Jerusalem, could we put in there on that day, the morning in Christ the King will be as great as the morning for Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. The land shall mourn, each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the Shemites by itself, and their wives by themselves, and all the families that are left, each by itself, and the wives by themselves. On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. So often what happens to us who follow Jesus, know Jesus, we even take the meal, but we're taking it, going through the motions, it's not really affecting us. But one of the ways that the gospel has present value, Jesus has present value, is you think about what he went through for you and me, and that when he died, not only did he suffer, uh, but he uh, wept. Uh, we go with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, the wept uh, and it's with such intensity because of the emotional and spiritual separation he was already experiencing, facing, dying in our place for us. Let me ask you, has your heart been pierced 
today and this past week and the past few months about what Jesus did for you. You see, it has a present value, has a present power to it. Jesus is saying, you are so blessed if you mourn over me and what I've done for you. Now that seems so upside down. It seems so counterintuitive. It's just like, this is nuts. This is impossible. (laughs) It is without the Spirit's help. But here in Zechariah 12, we see that a movement of God that is so powerful and real and God opening to people the awareness, present tense, that my sin nailed my Savior to the cross. And it was his love that held him there. I love it was in this be still my soul but a lot of the hymns that we sing, there's always a stanza in there that's preparing us to die, preparing us for death. And one of my roles as a pastor is to help you get ready to be with Jesus forever and ever. But I want to share with you, uh, you're going to die the way you're living right now. And what's going to come out of you and what you're going to experience when it's your time to go be with Jesus Uh, And again, it doesn't make us better, you know, good, better, best kind of thing. Just says, here's the invitation. Because regardless if you die poorly or if you die well, you're still going to be with Jesus. He died for that. But I want to invite you to have a vision for ending my life filled with the comfort of my God. That knowing that what Jesus did for me. Mine, mine was the transgression from old sacred head, but yours was the deadly pain. To know deep within you comfort that comes from the sadness and the sorrow that each one of you carries. If you want to build community in any group of people, whatever, uh, you can tell stories like we did it this week with a couple groups I was in from here. We talked about the high, low. But if I was to share with you Uh, My saddest story in my journey of 70 years, most of you would would just feel incredibly sad. Some of you would weep. Some of you would go, oh my gosh. But here's what I know about the people of God, is even as it's painful as to hear from them, here's what I would feel from most of you as I would feel a sense of, brother, we want to help you. (laughs) We want to pray for you. We want to be a part of your healing. We want to comfort you. That's Jesus living himself out in community with other people. But if we were to break into groups of four or five right now and say, go around and tell the saddest story in your story. And even if you don't know these people and you felt free enough to be that vulnerable, if you tell me those stories, it connects me to you and your story but it connects me to the greatest story of how Jesus wants to help you. Now, here's a real simple application. If you're carrying a lot of sadness and grief, and I've had people say this to me in their brokenness, they will say something like this. I've never told anyone this. I remember working with a very gifted young woman in business. Her life was just on this amazing trajectory. But on one level, professionally, she was was a rock star. But emotionally and relationally, she was a train wreck. And we would talk about this and we would talk about that. And she was working with a group of women trying to help her, but she couldn't get unstuck. You know, she just, 
she was just, you know, she was screwing up royally in her relationships. And then she had the courage to say, I need to tell you something about my story. And all my friends, the comfort of God, the beauty of God, the release of God, the freedom. Jesus said, I've come to help and heal the brokenhearted. Blessed are you if you're here with a broken heart today. But you're really blessed if Jesus set you free. Jesus says, I've come to heal. The, here's his mission, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. Now, what happens to us when we're captives to our broken heart? What happens to us when our sadness and brokenness, one, just kind of chokes out any meaningful experience of love in life, or we just feel like, I've got to block it all out. I've got to shut down. Um, Man of Sorrows, what a name. Uh, <clears throat> one of the thrills of uh, interviewing Ariana and getting to know her, this is for you, Ariana. It's a little blessing here to help you as you start youth ministry at CTK. Um, uh, is that um, Ariana's own story? But I asked her, "What's your favorite book in the Bible?" And thinking she was going to say one of the Gospels, one of the Psalms, the New Testament. But she said Ecclesiastes. And I go, "Whoa! I've never heard that one before." Now, and it's also Rick Olson's. He's he's in that category of his favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. Um, you haven't read it? Go read it. But let me just read to you from Ecclesiastes seven two through four. It's all about wisdom. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the heart of mourning, in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Again, it's, isn't it so upside down? It's just like, ooh, how, how does... But Jesus has come to make it real for us. We think about people who live this verse. There are people who are, have so much capacity to love the brokenhearted, people in poverty, people living with injustice, people who have all kinds of things because Jesus sets them free to live for someone and something greater than themselves. Many years ago, I remember Mother Teresa came to Washington, D.C. She's no longer living, but most of us know her story in Calcutta, now Mumbai, what she did among the street people there, what she did. And somebody said to her, why do you do what you do? And she said, it's the joy of being loved and loving. The joy of being loved and loving. You see, this is what Jesus says. I want you to know what it's like to be loved in your brokenness. And if you know her story and her struggle with depression, she came out of incredible poverty in Albania in probably one of the most difficult times in the history of that country. And she decides to move to Calcutta and care for the homeless and to care for them as they're dying. And the story just goes on and on, but it's a reflection of who Jesus is and what he can do. So Zechariah 12 says, you'll look on the one whom you have pierced. He was pierced for you because of your sin. And if you don't know Jesus, this is a good time to go, Jesus, did you do that for me? Jesus, are you this real that you would die on a cross and be nailed to the cross and pierced uh, physically, but he was pierced in his heart for you and me. 
he was pierced in a way, then if that happens, then God said, I will pour out on you a spirit of grace and please for mercy, and I'll open up a fountain for you that you will always go to to drink from, and it will always satisfy you on the, in the depths of who you are. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble. Were you there? when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when he rose up from the dead? Oh, sometimes it causes me to shout glory, glory, glory. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today for this invitation to joy through sadness and grief because, Jesus, you were a man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief and your own grief in such a way that we can know your comfort and freedom today. And so, Lord, we do pray now that you'd help us to enter into the joy, the thrill of knowing our Savior, we pray. Amen.